how many times in our lives do we torture ourselves with the belief that we are unfit for God's love? How many times do we search for ways to make ourselves worthy before God? Worthiness issues. I have them, maybe you do. Well, if you've ever felt this way, you're in very good company because Martin Luther, the great leader of the Reform Movement, Reformation, birth of the Protestant Church, used to torture himself with the words, have I done enough, over and over again. Have I done enough? I want you to think about Simon Peter today, and I want you to think about him specifically in the context of today's gospel lesson. We also find uh, this particular story in Luke's gospel, but the timing is different. In our scripture text this morning, as Aaron read, it goes on. Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, some versions say Jonah, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. Jesus said to Peter again a second time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And at this point, Peter's getting a little irritated with questions. And he says, you know that I love you. What is Jesus asking of Peter? What's he really asking of him? If you love me, then you will love these others. Do you love your brothers, the other disciples, more than me? Feed my lamb, feed my sheep. Care for one another. That was the greatest commandment, was it not? may come as a bit of a surprise to you, but God is waiting for you and depending on you to do God's work serving others and answering needs with sincere care and compassion. God is calling each one of us to use the opportunities that God has given us. And you know the drill, the gifts of time, energy, and money to reach out in service and to care for others. He provides us with an adequate supply of each of these things to care for ourselves but also for meeting the needs of others. I had the honor and the opportunity to uh, sit with Brent Balcoma yesterday for three hours early in the morning, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. And I spent that much time with him as a man because I could take care, help him take care of getting dressed and fixed his breakfast and with his bathroom needs. And then my caregiving was followed up with Keith Beasley who was there from, relieved me, and then was there till noon yesterday, or maybe even longer than that. Chris had to go to work. And she's exhausted, she's stressed, but she's holding her own there in the household, and, and Brent requires a great deal of care, personal care. And then I had the opportunity to serve the Fink family at 1 o'clock for Dr. Dave's funeral. 
it's always a, a wonderful experience um, to help a family in need when they're, they've suffered a great loss. I've always been intrigued by the idea that life together in the church is the very essence of what Christianity is all about. What we do here and outside these walls week by week is the very heart of God's plan for the world. But not everybody shares those views. Many people think of church as an optional aspect to the Christian life. And I have known a great many people who felt their Christian life was just fine without coming to church, serving the church. But what do people do in times of stress, loss, and without resources, without a faith community? I can't imagine, you know, what they do. In the church of my first appointment, Little Aroma up the road here to the north, Joe was that way. It took several strong men to get Joe into church, his friends. Every time I saw Joe, he had dust on his feet. Um, he was a well-to-do farmer. He was 72 years old at the time, and he was still running the family farm with 2,000 acres of Indiana corn and soybeans. And all of his family came to that little church that I served as pastor except Joe. He was always busy tending the fields. He was out in the fields doing his farming, except that every time I drove up there on Sunday and passed his property, I never saw Joe. Joe never came. He told me that he accepted Christ as his personal savior back when he was just a kid. And if he knew one thing about the Bible, it was that he didn't have to go to church to be saved. Well, none of us have to do that. We need Christian fellowship, but we were saved 2,000 years ago at the foot of the cross. Nobody else did it, so uh, we know who did it. Other people could go so that they would earn a better reward in heaven, he would, he would debate with me. He was satisfied. He wasn't looking for stars in his crown. He, was, he uh, didn't want a big mansion in heaven. He just wanted to get to heaven. And since he had that taken care of, he didn't think he would bother with the church. Well, he finally came to church for his funeral. And six strong men carried him through the front doors. Diana and her sister uh, were members of that church. Uh, her sister attended faithfully, served the church in many, many ways. Diana couldn't come to church because she loved her TV preacher. She fed on a steady diet of his Bible teaching, and over the years she contributed hundreds of dollars to his TV ministry. And she told me she would probably come to our church there in Aroma if, it wasn't, if the service time wasn't at the same time that his service was broadcast on TV. She knew all about her TV preacher, knew all about his family, knew all about his uh, teachings, knew all about his Bible study cruise that he took. But her TV preacher didn't know anything about her. He never visited her when she was admitted to the hospital or had ensuing surgeries. 
nor was he there when her own father died in her own home. But I was there. My buddy Steve loved hunting even more than he loved his Chevy S10 pick-em-up truck. He told me that he worked hard at the grain mill there in Aroma for Tim all week long, drying, driving a semi full of grain. When the weekends came, especially in the fall, he felt he had a right to hunt. Besides, he reminded me, God is everywhere in the world, true, and he could worship on that deer stand in his camouflage clothes just as easily as he could sitting in the front row of the pews and his people in their, with people in their three-piece suits. But I've never really understood what is so hard about coming to church. It doesn't really take much of a Christian commitment, I don't think, to get up and come to church on a Sunday morning and give God an hour of your time. Some people seem to think it's the equivalent of climbing the Canadian Rockies. But here's my point. I, personally, I can't imagine life without the church. For me, church really is life together. And it's not just a matter of sharing time in the same building, but it's sharing all of life with other people who are vividly aware that life is lived under the watchful care of a loving and compassionate God. And that is what care ministry is about. From another piece of scripture, James 5, 13 and 14, we read, is any among you sick? And the apostle James then responds, let them call for the elders. That does not mean that there is a hierarchy of compassion or effective prayer uh, because of a pastor or an elder being in the church that's more effective than anybody else's. What James is advocating is the most normal thing in the world for those in the church, and that is that we must simply reach out, asking others to care for us. And we put their names on the prayer list, like Aaron pointed out this morning. It's what normally happens when we live in community with one another. It is that sense of community that makes life different for a Christian. Fred Craddock, who was a professor emeritus at Candler School of Theology at Emory University, said one time, and I quote, everyday needs are addressed in this text, James 5 he's referring to. It pictures a community in which people suffer and pray, rejoice and sing, become sick and get well, sin and are forgiven. This picture reflects congressional life as we know it, congregational life, I'm sorry, as we know it, people looking to the community of faith for help. And the church offers help in many ways that are genuinely appropriate and effective. In her best-selling book, Traveling Mercies, Anne Lamott explains why she makes her son go to church with her. She says, the main reason is that I want to give him what I found in the world, which is a path and just a little light to see that path by. Most of the people I know who have what I want, purpose, heart, balance, gratitude, joy, are people with a deep sense of spirituality. They are people in community who pray or practice their faith, people banding together to work on themselves and each other for human needs. This is what Stephen Ministry does. 
They follow a brighter light than the glimmer of their own candle. They are part of something beautiful, she says. Our funky little church is filled with people who are working for comfort and needs, who are out there on the streets and inside praying, and they are home writing cards, and they are at the shelters with pans of food. Church is the place where prayer and singing go hand in hand. Verse 13 from James 5 says again, As any among you suffering, let him pray. As any cheerful, let him sing praises. It's a place where people confess their sins to one another and who come to a parish care person or a pastor to be healed and restored during a difficult life transition. It's a place where people visit the sick and pray for them. You know, on any given Sunday in this room, and I'll never forget Jack Wolf telling me, when you look out on your congregation, your flock, just remember that this day is the very best day in somebody's, somebody's life and in somebody else's life, the very worst day in their life. Any given Sunday in this room contains people who are near to giving birth and contains those who are near to dying. On one side is a young mother who feels that her life will never be right after her divorce. And on the other side of the room is a pretty young woman, newly engaged, who anticipates that marriage will be the closest thing to heaven she will ever know. There is a young man who isn't sure that he believes in God anymore. I've talked to those folks. And there's a young man who's preparing for the ministry. There's a young woman who fears for her life because of her recent cancer diagnosis. And there's another lady out in the congregation who is celebrating her fourth year of being a cancer survivor. Here's a man who just lost his job on this side. And on this side is a man who has just landed a contract for his company that will secure his future. Here is a two-year-old surrounded by love and attention that she thinks all the world is her stage. And there's another young girl sitting here trying to find affection and compassion because of an abusive family situation. There is a man who feels he doesn't deserve communion, maybe today because of his adulterous affair in the town where he lives. And here is a man who has been slowly nurtured back to health and restored to a good marriage. I've learned a lot. I've talked to a lot of people. I've cared for a lot of people. Most pastors do. Life together in the church is a mixture of people at every stage and transition of life. Believe me. Take any one of these people apart from the church the community of faith, and their life would be so much less than what it is now. One of the secrets of the church is that it is life lived in community. Anne Lamott relates another story told by her pastor when her pastor was just a young girl, seven years old. She had a best friend who got lost one day, lost in the town where they lived, a big town. Little girl ran up and down the street of the big town where they lived, and she couldn't find a single landmark that would help her get home. She was very frightened, 
Finally, a policeman, true story, stopped to help her. He put her in the passenger seat of his car and he drove her around. He drove her around the town until she finally saw the steeple of her church. She pointed out to the policeman and she told him firmly, you can let me out now. This is my church and I can always find my way home from here. And then Anne Lamott concludes with these words. And that is why I have stayed so close to my church and the people in it. Because no matter how bad I am feeling, how lost or lonely or frightened, when I see the faces of the people at my church or on the outside of my church to whom our church ministers and I hear their voices, I can always find my way home. Thanks be to God. Amen.